Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hewn. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. All right, welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everyone. I'm really excited about today's episode. Today, my guest, once again, this is the second time he's been on, is my producer, Aaron Wogelarter. And Aaron has become an important person in my life. Um, He pushed me into doing this podcast. Well, he didn't push me, but he encouraged me. Um, And I'm grateful for it because doing this podcast has helped me in so many ways, which I think I've talked about in the past. Um, But Aaron and I also have connected pretty deeply on a human level. We have a lot of shared values. And what we were thinking is that it would be fun to try this out. You know what? We're going to have a conversation where he and I just have a two-way conversation about really what matters in life, you know, what, what we should be, be prioritizing and who knows, maybe it'll turn into more conversations from here that we can build on. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you today, Aaron. I am too. I always feel like I know my my podcasters really well because I spend so much time with you. And uh, it's just fun to get on here and to really be able to share and have that be part of that conversation with you. Definitely. So, you know, I know today one of the things that we, we want to talk about is um, kind of our life experiences to this point, particularly our, our, our careers and how those have influenced, you know, kind of the way we see work and life as I'm realizing more and more is kind of the same thing. There's not really a a, a split between the two of them. But um, Aaron, one of the things that I um, really liked when I first met you is that you've got a background in education, you know, so you've always focused on, you know, trying to serve others. And and that's kind of been your primary focus. So can you talk a little bit about that? I would say that it's a lot of trying to see the best in others. And that's what education taught me is when you're focused only on the education, and you're focused only on the material you need to teach, then when somebody's not being not somebody's not willing to accept it or they're not in the place to accept it, then you've failed your job. But when you're there to see the best in them and see how you can help them grow through this information, then it doesn't matter what stage they're in. You know, my uh my wife's dad is a, a first grade teacher for 30 years. And he's a sophisticated you know, person outside of the first grade classroom. And when he sees his students when they're 30, you know, 25, 30 years old, he feels like he's had a part in their, you know, in their growth because he, he planted the seeds. And I felt like that was a good example of what it means to be an educator, not someone who's just merely passing over information, but somebody who's seeing the best in others and helping them grow. And when you look at education like that, like, like you said, like, yeah, that's life. (laughs) You know, that's, that's life as a parent, that's life as business, that's life as a, an employee, an employer. This is, this should be the focus of, of what we do. So for me, that's a lot of the, the reason why I can be passionate about everything I do is because I found this while I was in education and my background helped me understand that this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about seeing people grow and seeing people change. And that helped me as a parent, like I said, that helped me as a husband, and it's helped me in business because when I see people like you, Brian, or who, 
who just need that push and they just need that little, you know, love tap to get them moving and to get them to find what they're, what they're passionate about, then that's been the underlying message sort of of my, my business and my life is trying to find others, the strengths in others and bring it up. But the honest truth is though that, and I do this, I do this often where I just turn it around, turn the tables around, but I would love to turn the tables and ask you the same question. Like, what is it that you're so passionate about? And and has your background shaped that or your experiences to where you are today? Yeah, the background, the experiences, all of it has shaped that. Um, I feel like, you know, I was somebody who was always living my whole life, like to live up to external values versus my own values. In fact, I never really took the time to understand what my personal values were. I was too busy trying to, you know, do well in school, make my parents proud, get the good job, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and that, that led me to an industry that was, you know, conflicted in a major way with my internal values, even though I didn't know necessarily what they were, I could feel it. You know, I was in an industry, the financial services industry that really doesn't have any kind of purpose other than making money. You know, and that, like, that's the only thing that matters. Um, so you know, going forward now, uh, I want to number one, change the industry for the better, because I think education needs to be a huge part of it. You know, we need to be teaching people how to manage their finances, how to be successful, how to build wealth. And if you do that, they're probably going to keep you around because you've built that trust and they like having you there as a trusted expert and guide. And so that's, I I really want to change our industry. And you know, to your point, I want to help nudge people along, you know, I want to see the best in them and see them live the best life that they can live for them and their families. And like I said, that wasn't always the case for me. Um, it took a health scare, which I've talked about a number of times to really start to change my perspective. You know, when you're battling cancer and you're going through chemotherapy, you start to question, you know, some of the things that you've, you know, done in your life, the decisions that you've made. So, it's been a pretty long journey to get to this point, but you know, I'm kind of going back to my roots. I wanted to be a teacher initially, like back when I was in high school, I um, was a baseball player and I had a, a baseball coach that I didn't like very much. Let's just leave it at that. And I wanted to get into coaching because I wanted to give kids a better experience than what I had. But then somewhere along the way, you know, people told me, oh, you can't do that, Brian. You're wasting all of your potential if you just become a teacher because teachers don't make a lot of money, you know, and that led me into this career where it was like, okay, make a lot of money, get the fancy car, get the big house, get the country club membership. And then everybody's going to think that you're successful. And that's what I wanted to be. So yeah, that's, that's kind of been what my background has been like to now. It's cool that for you, it's been, it's like sort of the, the switch and it's the change from you know, what my background was and now sort of rectifying it or helping others not fall into that trap. And that's what drives you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my, my life is so much happier now. I've identified what I truly value and I'm living my life according to those values, both in how I spend my time and how I money, uh, how I spend my money. I want other people, I want other people to be as happy as I am right now. 
Like that's my mission now. Like I need to pay that forward and help others to live the life that I'm living right now. You know, what's so interesting about that is that a person always has values, whether you can clearly articulate them or not. And so when you mentioned like you were, you were going through a career and through schooling that didn't fit with your values, although you couldn't articulate them, that's a fascinating reality that you have values and when they're, they're rubbed the wrong way by other values, then you start realizing them, even when you can't articulate them. It's fascinating on so many levels, but it's fascinating that, that we can live like that. We can live with values that are unarticulated and it could bother us, but we don't know you why. You don't know why, right. So many years I had this nagging feeling, you know, I was just unhappy and it wasn't always I was miserable. Like it was just little bits of unhappiness, right? And you just move on. But over time, if you don't make any changes and you don't get that level of clarity, then it can it can boil over, you know, and that's what happened to me. The health scare was obviously the reason that got you thinking about your values. But what tools and tips did you use to clearly articulate those values, even on a piece of paper? But Well, I, I tried to unlearn a lot of stuff. Like I, I tried to think. Um, how do I view the world and how did that view come about? This, that's kind of how I started thinking about things. And, and that just led to a lot of discoveries. You know, I realized that, oh yeah, there was this one friend that I had, you know, back whenever. And I remember this conversation that we had and I remember the way that that made me feel. It made me feel like, oh, I wasn't, you know, good enough or I wasn't going to fit in, you know, and that led to this decision. And so all of these different realizations started coming about just from that, just from asking myself, what do, how do I view the world? And how did that, how did I form that view? It's not too vague of a question for you. You don't get lost in like, how do you view the world? There's so many parts of, of the world. Were you asking like a specific I find that when I ask that, I get lost in like, I don't know, dinosaurs. Like I get lost in like big, big picture well, things. Like how'd you view the world? Yeah. So it started with just my world. What's the world that's right in front of me every day? What's my cool. reality every day when I wake up in the morning? What do I do? And how do I view what I see around me? You know, and then from there, it kind of can expand and become a lot of bigger topics. But just trying to, and maybe that became easy for me because I've always been somebody who has found myself stuck in my own head from time to time. And so maybe it's easy for me to just say, this is the way I view the world. And it's just my little tiny reality of the world. But that's where you start, I think. I'll give you an example. So when I was in my career, I was doing pretty well. Like I was never, you know, well, let me back up and, and explain what I did. So for most of my career, I worked as a, um, a product wholesaler in the investment industry. And you can be an internal wholesaler where you're sitting on a, a desk and you're making phone calls out to financial advisors and you work with an external partner who's going and visiting the financial advisors at their offices. Or you can be the external, which is what I did eventually. And your, your, your sole job is just to maximize the amount of assets raised in the company's products. So you got to sell company's products. And I did 
again, like I said, I wasn't like a top producer by any means. Um, but I wasn't the worst. Like I was okay at my job. And at the beginning of my career, like I, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to to sell a lot. I wanted my my managers to be proud of me. I wanted my peers to to respect me. But then later on in my career, it got to a point where I just muddled around in the middle of the pack because I didn't want to get fired. Like I had no motivation to actually be great and reach my full potential because the only motivation there was, was to make money. I went 15 years, almost over a decade. I went representing financial products that I never once put a dollar of my own money into. And so when I started having these conversations of, okay, how do I view things and why do I view them that way? That was a big part of it. It was like, you're unhappy because you're selling shit that you wouldn't use yourself. And every day, whether or not you have value as a human being is determined on how much of that crap you sold. You know, and you could have a great month and then the clock gets reset when the next month comes and you're worthless again, unless you go out and sell more garbage. (laughs) So this is the conversation I started having with myself. And I was like, why? Why am I doing this? You know, I've never once in my career found uh, a product or a service that I would use myself or recommend to people I care about. So just create it. I never had the courage to do that. I never had the courage to do that. But then, um, when I went through that health scare, you know, and I was going through chemotherapy, I was like, what do you, what do you have to lose? You know, you, you start having like, and I don't want to make this like overly dramatic or anything. Like I was on my deathbed or something like that, but you know, and thank God non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is one of the most treatable cancers there is. Like I'm in line for, you know, we already know what the next treatment's going to be. Then we already know what the next treatment after that is going to be. Like, I'm very lucky. But when you go through that, you still start to have these ex- existential thoughts. And you start thinking, why have I been living my life the way I'm living it? And life is not guaranteed to any of us. So, damn it, I'm not going to do that shit anymore. I'm going to create the life that I want to live. Right, which is... It's, it's cool that it's exactly the opposite now is you're selling not only a product that you put your money into, but a product that, you know, changed your life and allows you to live it the way, the way that you find valuable. So that's like the opposite of what you were selling before is now you're, you're able to sell that. Exactly. Which is your product. But, and the thing is the, it's not the money, you know, that when I think about financial services and, and helping people to live a better financial life, what I found is it's not the money that made my life better. It's my relationship with the money that made my life a lot better. You know, like before I needed to have so much, you know, because it was a competition and, you know, people always want to make you think like our industry makes people think that they don't have enough and they're never going to be able to stop working. And now I'm view I'm viewing money as as just a tool to try to live the life that I want to live. So okay, what's really important to me? And if I can block out any kind of external expectations or trying to live up to any kind of an external standard, then I can use money in a really efficient way. 
like I mentioned recently in, in the solo episode that I released about how my net worth is significantly lower now than when it was, you know, three years ago, but I feel so much wealthier because the money is, is the, the ROI on the money that I have is so much higher. Like I'm, I'm getting a lot out of my life by using the money that I do have in a very intentional way and focusing on the things that are most important to me. Have you seen that with your clients and with people you've been able to work with or to influence a little bit to help them understand this more? Have you seen that? Yeah. They've been able to start understanding this without health scares and without, you know, big life changes, but that just by hearing your story and seeing working with you, they've been able to see that. Definitely. The best feeling that I get is when I can just sense the peace of mind going up, you know, that when the financial anxiety starts to go down, that's, that's the best feeling in the world. I had one client that uh, I've been working with and, you know, she's told me uh, a few different times that her life is meaningfully better right now. Like she feels so much better. If she got let go from her job, she'd be fine. Whereas before she worried about that sort of thing, nothing from a financial standpoint has changed. The net worth hasn't changed that much, but just that relationship with money and the way you utilize it or misuse it. Um, so yeah, I've seen that. And I think sharing my story helps, you know, cause most people don't have, you know, that type of kick in the face that I had. I think it's interesting because we wait a lot of times for that kick in the face because it's in a sense like a wake up call. You have no choice, but to deal with, you know, the questions of what is life. But if we were able to ask ourselves, like if we surround ourselves with people who are asking themselves that question, daily, you know, what am I doing? What, what's the purpose of this? What are my values? What's the legacy I'm leaving over? When we surround ourselves with people like that, we can ask ourselves that question as well without ever having to have this, this big scare and this big wake up. Yeah. Now, what, what about you? You know, it seems like you've always kind of lived this life in line with your values, but what did it, what did it look like? What did it look like for you? I, I try to live a meaningful life and I try to live one based on values I was, I was taught at a young age to, to question things, to ask yourself, why are you doing this? You know, you don't just have to do what everyone does. And, and that was really helpful for me. And I'm appreciative of that, that I didn't look around me and say, oh, everyone's doing this. I got to do it. But rather everyone's doing this. Why, why are they doing this? And why is this important? Why is this a value? And it's interesting I consider myself a, a fairly nice guy, but from like age 18 to 20, 25, probably people would ask me, people would say I was very negative, very negative person, because I think at that stage in my life, I was figuring out what my values were. And by experiencing the world around me and seeing what other, what other people held valuable, and then I would be negative on it. Oh, why do they, that's so stupid, mm. right? With a, not a sophisticated way of articulating it. It was always that's so dumb. That's so stupid. They're such idiots. And, and it was like a very negative stage. And then you grow past that and you're like, Oh, now I know my values. I don't have to put people down. I don't, I don't really care what other people do. I know, I know what I do and I know why. Um, and that's important. And it's, it gets challenged every day. Um, you know, where I'm, I'm living in Israel now and we're in a, war-torn country. And I think that that's also part of this 
sort of wake up call where even, even when you live with meaning, um, my wife and I said to each other right away that if we didn't have a purpose and a meaning to our lives, if we don't know how we would be able to do this and go through this, um, just the fear and the anxieties, the unknown, the unknown and the having to move forward. Like we still have to have celebrations. You still have to do birthday parties and, and uh, celebrate new children. And you still have to, life goes on and you have to be able to do that. And that's because there's meaning to every day. There's meaning to every event that happens in your life. So we just looked at each other right away and said, we didn't have our values clear. We would a jump ship and, and leave here right away. And B, it would just be, it'd be very hard to deal with it because of the anxiety and the fear. Now, when you look around you, you, you and your family, like in your community, is that pretty common? Like do most people, are they pretty strong in their values and they're able to, you know, kind of live every day, just like you described? Yeah. Much more than us. Um, there are people who we have, yeah, there are people who have been through a lot more than we have and they just pick right up and, uh, and move on. And, and in a, in an intense way, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's unhealthy. We'll see. I don't know what it's going to look like 20 years down the road, but it seems like, you know, we have our time to cry. We have our time to mourn and then we got to get up and we got to do, and it's a very, a very healthy, I think, approach of, of like a balance of crying, a balance of reflecting about uh, processing and a balance of let's get up, let's do, let's not wallow in self-pity and let's move on. And I think that's, that's, you can do that when you know that every day is important, every day is valuable and every interaction you have with your children, every interaction you have with, you know, business partner, those are important because you're, you're, you know, you're, you're living with meaning. And I think that that's, that's the only way to do it. So as someone who you used to live here in the States and now you're living in Israel, um, do you see a stark difference between the two cultures? Like, are there a lot more people here in the States that are like wandering around, not knowing really what their values are? And there's a lot of unhappy people. We hear a lot more about how, you know, anxiety and depression, all these things are on the rise here in the United States. And to your point earlier, you have values, even if you can't necessarily articulate what they are, you have them. And if you're not living aligned to them, it can cause a lot of internal turmoil. So I'm just curious, is there a stark difference between American culture and other places? I don't know about other places, but I know about Israel. It's not uncommon to see a, you know, a very successful CEO of a, a huge startup in the heart of the city and, uh, you know, going to pick up his kid from kindergarten at, at 3 PM and just, just walking in there like everyone else, because family is a very strong value here in Israel. And it doesn't, it's, it's not like in America when you're a certain status, like someone else is picking up your kids. Someone else is waiting up, wait, is, is hanging out with your kids until you come home. If you come home and, it's not like that here. You know, everyone religious or not religious, it's, it's, it's really irrelevant to that. It's, there's a very strong family value. Hmm. And so that, you know, you feel that that is different. 
than in America. Again, that's a big generalization, sure. but, but I think in general, you know, the, you, you got to find pockets of people who that's like on their top three, top four list. Not everyone values that necessarily. Yeah. I mean, there's CEOs here in America that fit the bill that you just described where they're running the company, they're super wealthy and they're there picking up their kids and, you know, they're having conversations with the janitor or, you know, the person at the restaurant that does the dishes. But I think it's not the norm, you know, that when you look at societal expectations, I think it's more what you're describing. Right. So that's something that, that we noticed right away and that we're comfortable with. And that's what sort of drew us here is that whatever your value is, it's okay to live like that. That's why we see that Israel has a lot of internal strife because everyone, everyone's got a lot of opinions and everyone's got a lot of strong opinions and strong values that they'll fight for because that's how they were taught. You fight for your values. You live by your values. Values are not just these things that you have hanging up on the company wall. This is something that you live by day, day in, day out. That's an important, it's an important way to live for me. Yeah. I remember hearing, I forget who it was, but I remember hearing a while back, like you're going to worship something, you know, if it's a God for whatever religion it is that you follow, then that's what you're going to worship. If you don't have that, then maybe you're going to worship money. You know, if you don't worship money, then maybe you're going to worship intelligence. Like you're always going to be worshiping something and it's going to be driving your day-to-day behaviors. So you might as well make it be something good and productive. And again, it doesn't have to be about religion. It's just spirituality. Like who are you as a person? What makes you happy? A lot of people are talking about heart-centered these days, and I think that's a great way to describe it. And and a lot of people think like the the capitalistic business world and and heart-centered do not go together. And I think that's a bunch of crap. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it definitely it definitely seems like you know capitalism doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have a heart at a certain level, but I think that. I think that's something we tell ourselves so that we don't uh, either we're more capitalistic or we we're more heart centered, but it's hard for us to, cause it, it is hard. It's a hard balance to find, to be able to like the way you describe it, I think is, is profound. And not a lot of people describe it as that, is that both the way you describe your business relationships, like it's not about money, it's about helping and the money will come. I think that's profound. And I think also the fact that you, that you say money gets me where I need to go, but it isn't wh- what I need at the end of the day. It helps me live by the values that, and the things I value and, or helps me support the things I value. And I think those are profound. Like uh, you're, you know, you're, you're a classic stereotypical person who's trying to, who's trying to make money through their career is not thinking that way. And it's hard. Like I've I've been thinking about this a lot recently, how I spent, you know, 15 years or so in a career. And now I've got the experience and the knowledge where I can truly serve other people. Like when you're just graduating college and you're starting out your career, maybe you don't have the capability to quite serve at a level that you would need to, to run a sustainable business. And so that's where I've softened up a little on my stance on you know, corporate America and, and the, uh, 
the 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 drawbacks of extreme capitalism i guess is like it's a place to go and and learn a lot and um, gain a lot of experience and then at some point you can get to a level where where you can serve a little bit more and i think just like look at me and you like we met through the first gen entrepreneurs group we started having conversations we became friends and you helped me you educated me on why podcasting can be beneficial for me. Heck, you even educated me on how to do it if I wanted to do it myself. And I hired you on to be my producer. We're going on, what, seven months now? Paying you every month. So that's capitalism. You're making money off of me. But it it, it came from the heart, though. And, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, like, it doesn't have to be every man for himself. We can all serve one another focus on the value of human beings first and also make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. It's cool too. I look for, I look for clients that have, I say passion, but it's like this, like they understand that there's more to this relationship than just, you know, money, money, money. And I look for those clients. I look for people who have value systems and are working with those and have, I I just find they're easier to trust. They're easier to work with. It's a, it's a better business partnership and relationship when they're doing passionate work, they're not just selling stuff they wouldn't buy and they're, you know, they believe in what they're doing. I think that that gives for a much better relationship. What do you think about that? Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, trust for me is by far the most important aspect of any relationship really. But when I look at myself as a financial advisor and whether or not I'm going to work with a client, I want to know that there's a level of trust where I can trust the client to do their part within the relationship to make sure they're getting the most value out of it. Um, they need to trust that I'm going to have their best interests in mind. If it's, you know, a third party, somebody that I'm going to, you know, is going to come in and like help me with my website or, or something, or I'm going to refer out to a CPA, like it has to be you know, values base. And, and there has to be a deep level of trust there before I'm going to feel comfortable working with those people. And so I, I think trust is, is just definitely the most important aspect of a lot of, of a lot of relationships, but certainly for a financial advisor, I think in, in my career, Aaron, the way that I start to view building trust with clients, it's almost similar to like, um, I think about a car, a car mechanic, you know, and a lot of times people in my industry think, Oh, don't compare. I'm a financial advisor, CFP, CFA, whatever other degree that they have or, or certification that makes them so special. And they think, don't compare me to a lowly car mechanic. And I'm like, I love the guy that I bring my car to because I never have to think about it. I don't have to like research and, and determine, okay, does my car really need this work done? Or is he just trying to upsell me? There's just right. like, he's just my guy. Like I trust him as a person. We have shared values. And so I'm just going to take my car whenever anything goes wrong. And I know that he's not going to rip me off. And so that's exactly as it should be in financial advice, but it hasn't been historically. It's always been this, you know, super elite status person who has all the knowledge, almost like the wizard of Oz behind the curtain. And I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to listen to me because I'm the expert. We got to stop with that stuff. Yeah. I think that speaks to, you know, building trust and also working hard to gain that trust. 
it doesn't just happen in the, in the discovery call and in the first meeting, that stuff is built. That's where like LinkedIn comes in and content creation podcasts. Like that's how you build it. Um, that's how you build that trust. Somebody just asked me the other day, they said, we're having a hard time because how do we share everything we know and then still expect people to want to work with us? If we do a podcast by episode 20, you know, if somebody listened to one to 20, they'll know how to do everything. And I said, true, but people don't necessarily apply it on their own. And what you've gained is now, now they trust you because they know that you can do all these things and now they're ready to work with you. So to actually apply the knowledge that you have. So it's not so much like putting up this gate and saying, you know, I have the knowledge and you don't rather I'm willing to share this knowledge with you so much so that I'll give it to you for free. And then when you come to work with me, it's about applying that. And, and that's, that's trust. When you see that there's no, you know, no guards, no, no gates. And I think that that speaks to sort of the you know, content creation and organically being out there and building a, building a brand of a trustworthy brand is important. Yeah. Yeah. No proprietary information anymore. Like it's just, our, our job is to, um, take whatever knowledge we have, whatever expertise that we have and share that with the world. Cause applying it to your point is, is, is a totally different thing. So yeah, that's a good distinction there. So Aaron, I want to go back to something that you had brought up earlier that I find really interesting. You were saying how, when you went through this process of, of trying to articulate your values that you became angry and I've noticed that like <laughs> after I left my career, you've seen some of the stuff that I put out there. Like I'm really angry. Sometimes our friend Andrew likes to call me grumpy Brian. So, um, and I think it's because it's been this process of, of disconnecting completely unplugging from the corporate world and figuring out who I am as a person. And you do get a lot of anger and frustration there, but then also to the point earlier about how we all have values, even if you can't put a finger on what they are, I always felt like kind of an angry, unhappy person. Like people would say happiness is a choice. And I'm like, get out of here. No, it isn't. You know? And now here I am like living and breathing that concept because I have actually figured out what my values are. So I, I just thought that was a pretty interesting point that you brought up there. Yeah. I think, I think when we confuse happiness with like smiling and laughing, drinking, having a great time, you know, we confuse it with those kind of words. So then is it worth it to be so happy? But when happiness is like inner peace and happiness is living with values and living with meaning, I think that you can choose that. You can, you can decide to find those values and to live by them. All right, Aaron. Well, it was great talking with you today. I always enjoy the conversations. And I think if there's one note that I want to leave on, it's just, um, you know, I, I, I really want to stress that you know, I've been learning and I talked to so many other people who have learned this as well, is that you can treat people well, you can prioritize people over money, and you can also be very financially successful. In fact, the wealthiest people that I've met are the people that are happiest. And generally, the people that are happy happiest are having a positive impact on the people around them. So, it's a positive feedback loop, as I've mentioned other times in the past, but really it all begins with understanding who you are as a person, 
um, and being able to articulate those values as Aaron and I, and I have been talking about. So Aaron, man, thanks again for coming on and we'll have to continue the conversation at some point. We will. And uh, it's been great being on this side of the podcast. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.